Welcome back to Your 1230, the only podcast where our guests tell their story with the help of 12 questions in just 30 minutes. I'm your host, Mike Salitro, and today we are really, really thrilled to be joined by Brandon Thomas. Brandon is an entrepreneur, a flipper, an investor, and a CEO. I love that bio. Welcome, Brandon. We are excited to be speaking with you. Thanks, Mike. I'm very happy to be here, too. Um, I'm always excited to tell uh, my multiple stories, um, and I'm so looking forward to this chat. That's nice to hear. And kind of with that uh, short to the point bio, if you meet somebody that you don't know or run to somebody in the street, what do you tell them you do or how do you introduce yourself? So I have a multitude of you know things that I do, but I would say to keep it very brief, I just tell people, hey, I'm in real estate and we cover all functions of real estate. You know, if you have some house that's on the street that uh that has squatters in it and you need us to get them out we'll get them out if you have a high-end uh mansion you know on 200 acres and you need us to list it we'll list it for you i like that answer because what it made me think of writing down my notes here is that if there's a problem or there is a situation that needs to be solved you can help your client or your potential colleague partner uh, get to where they want to go or eliminate some headache they might have, uh, whether that is acquiring a property, listing a property, uh, trouble tenants. Um, so I guess getting to that point uh, takes uh, experience. It takes time. It's trial and error. How did how have you been able to evolve a career into uh, multiple avenues in real estate? Uh, time, time and uh, troubleshooting to to keep it brief. Um, we have just learned over the years, you know, what does work, what doesn't work. And then just slowly, you know, building a snowball of knowledge of different avenues of, uh, real estate that you, you may not have known, uh, in the, in the last few years. And, you know, some things become more popular than others uh, in recent years. And you just got to pick up on these trends and just, just go with it. But at the same time, you have the, the old stuff that people are still dealing with, you know, uh, terrible loans from 2006, 2007, 2008, that are still coming to light today that, you know, some newer agents might not know about, but, you know, if you've been in this, in this game for 10 plus years, you know, that there's still some, some crappy loans out there that, that were going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, with with the with the time, with the ability to do multiple things, uh, you know, we've talked a couple times off camera and off mic. And one thing that struck me is that, like myself, you do multiple different things in in the real estate field. And I, I feel that uh, maybe I'm expanding my circle, but most people, when I tell them that a few years ago, meet with, well, how do you do that, or what is that like, or are you not good at any of these things? Why do you do that? And now I think that as we've seen through talking, uh, the market has certainly shifted, if not tanked in a lot of areas that having the ability to kind of pull different levers or have different areas of focus is really helpful um, in a real estate market like this. Um, so seeing that you kind of have a similar background, how how often or how do you get uh, received when, when you kind of mentioned that there are these different avenues that you explore and that your business is not just kind of the straightforward uh, brokerage approach or it's, uh, you know, there's this multi-pronged to the uh, real estate problem solving that you uh, offer. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because whenever you see it as 
there's the traditional real estate agent role. And then you have, you know, the, the investor role. And to me, you know, going the investor route, like it's so much more sexy. The, the investor side is the way to go. And anytime that I have any sort of conversation with a real estate agent, they're so intrigued with the investor side that they just want to be, you know, how do I get, how do I get there? You know, everyone wants to be an investor. No one wants to be a real estate agent, you know, for their whole life. You know, don't get me wrong. There are people out there that kill it. They're so good at it. But once you become an investor, it's hard to go back to being a full-time realtor. And I think that's the way that everybody just, they want to get there. If you're in the real estate industry, you want to be the investor. You want to, you want to have properties, you know, you might not want to be a landlord, but you want to have properties, but you can always have someone else do all that, you know, toilet stuff for you. So uh, that that would be my response. So a couple of things I want to follow up because I I'd like that answer a lot. The first of all, I want to say there's nothing wrong if you're good at and you want to solely focus on helping others buy and sell real estate Absolutely. and being an agent, being a broker. Nothing wrong with that if that's your business model that works for you. I find it's tougher and tougher, and there's fewer people out there like that. But nothing wrong with it. Second piece, you describe investing as sexy, and uh, that's what I think of as most people think of oh real estate investment, you know very lucrative, uh, you know, great lifestyle or an easy way to make a lot of money. And I laugh as I say it, because I know that's not the case most of the times. And anybody, I shouldn't say anybody, some people will kind of embellish how both um, straightforward it is and how, uh, how, how much money can be made in a quick matter of time. So uh, as somebody who uh, has seen that side of the market, how do you help people get started, take the next step, or realize that this might be a little more difficult than I thought? Uh, you know, it's it's trial and error. Again, you know, coming back to to that term, because everyone thinks it's easy until you get the ball rolling. You know, everyone sees the success, but they they never see the stairs that you had to take to get there. You know, so to to me, everyone thinks it's easy until they actually step in that role and they see like, wow, you know, how did you even run the numbers on this property and make sure it makes sense? You know, after you get the property, you know, how are you making sure that you're communicating with your tenants? Uh, what if, if your tenants find out where you live and they're bad tenants? You know, like there's so many detailed levels that, you know, a, a newer investor doesn't think about, but you learn these as you go through. Like I have, I have terrible, you know, LLCs out there that I have properties in that if you go in and, you know, look up the owner of these LLCs, you're going to find my name, you're going to find my address and we don't want that. So kind of taking a step back here, we had to kind of restructure our entire, you know, business pyramid essentially to where, you know, we have now, um, uh, registered agents, you know, for our LLCs to where like they, it's their name and info on everything. We have holding companies now. Um, we're in the process of setting up trusts. So that whole entire like aspect alone, you know, can scare a lot of people. But once you, once you get past that and you've, you know, taken your punches to the face, it's, it gets easier. Uh, it, it's funny you, you say that. I have reminded there was uh, an investor who was in my area who worked pretty diligently to mask the purchase of a property uh, just because it was part of a larger development and didn't necessarily want to be known who the owner was. Um, and so I was, tr I was doing some work and I, the registered agent was in an attorney's office, I called the office, got somebody in the office 
just happened to ask said, Hey, notice you're the registered agent for this. Did so-and-so buy this property? Yes, but I'm not supposed to say anything. And so you can go through all of those steps in, you know, setting up LLCs, setting up corporations, setting up uh, entities to kind of mask that. But, you know, it's always the the weakest part of the fence, you know, the weakest link there can give it away. Somebody who just happens to answer the phone, just saw that paper, had no, you know, should not have answered that question. And, you know, I didn't do anything public with the information, but it confirmed what I was looking for. So it is yep. good to do those things, but, you know, yep. it's, there are still, as you said, you set them up originally one way, they, they can be found, they they can be, there are ways to kind of uh, understand, get get through that. Um, yeah, the other thing I, I wanted to ask you about there, uh, you know, kind of running the numbers, understanding what a good investment looks like. Um, how, how, do, how do you do that and how, how do you help someone who might, you know, might be a money person, but they're not. They don't know what what a good investment is, or somebody who has a good eye for investment, but they may not have the capital to get get into get into one. Um, I I mean, there was a, a couple questions there. Sure, um, sorry. Stepping back, stepping back into you know running the numbers piece, I uh, I built a calculator that is oh my goodness, I got to brag a little bit about this calculator. Please it is do. a beast of a of a of a calculator. And uh, anybody that DMs me on Instagram that watches this show, I'll give it to them for free. So maybe that'll give them a perk. You know, maybe we have a selling point here to help, you know, boost this podcast out there to people. Um, but I have a beast of a calculator, man. I mean, you can uh, it, it breaks down from Airbnb properties to uh, multifamily um, mobile home parks, apartment complexes. Uh, it has a fix and flip feature. It, it's a beast. And it's all through Excel. So I built this whole entire thing, man. I'm super proud of it. Um, I thought about monetizing it, but I like to just give it away for free to, you know, people who are just trying to get started because it, it helps a lot. It helped me a lot. I still use it to this day. And um, what was your second question? Now I got to take a step I think back. I think you actually, you can, you can go, but you nailed them both because I asked how you run the numbers and then how somebody who wants to get started can do that. So the calculator oh, it, helps both of those. Yeah. Well, you know, to, to keep feeding off of that, though, I mean, to me, man, like networking with people who have been in the game goes a long way. And if you are a real estate agent, I, I actually just did a video about this today. If if you're a real estate agent, and you're brand new and you're trying to build your business and you don't have money to get leads. I want you to just go into Google and type in sell my home fast, whatever town you're in, and you're going to get five or six web pages of wholesalers that are just, you know, racking in these leads of people who just want to sell their homes fast. Well, I'd say probably, I mean, off the leads I get, 75% of these leads are retail leads, people who just want way too much for their home. They, uh, they're they not in any sort of distressed situation. They just don't want to deal with a the realtor. They don't want to deal with commissions. So if you're a brand new agent and you connect with these wholesalers, and you just bring them some sort of value, like maybe they need help with, um, you know, pulling some records on the MLS and you're able to just like have that, you know, that value to them, man, they will give you these retail leads like no other. I've gotten a few leads that way. And then all you got to do is just come to, to these sellers with the objection, you know, of showing them the value that you bring to the table as a real estate agent and how you can get them more uh, more for their house than what, you know, they'd try, you know, selling it themselves, man, once you get past those objections, it's, it's gold and you'll just be racking it in. You're going to love wholesalers. 
so I want to ask you about wholesaling on the back end of this, but I don't want to, that is such excellent advice, especially in the real estate industry. Somebody who's starting, who doesn't know who to call, what to do is just waiting for somebody to proverbially knock on the door or to come to them with business. That's a really good, good way to one, the networking piece to figure out who is active in the market, which neighborhoods might have multiple properties for sale. And then specifically, as you mentioned, uh, the bringing value to the wholesaler there. It's, well, I'm new. What do I have? Well, you have access to the MLS that maybe they don't have access to, or maybe you uh, are familiar with a different geography or a different, uh, you know, potential buyer buying pool that can can kind of mix and match there. And then, as you said, the wholesaler has no interest in um, dealing with commissions, dealing with somebody who's looking to for top dollar in their home. So there's the synergy where they can work together. That's really good advice. And outside of real estate, networking and understanding where you can be valuable to somebody else as opposed to, please help me, I, I have nothing of value to give to anybody, mm-hmm. is is much, much stronger position to be in. So uh, yeah. that's that's really, really good advice. Uh, the wholesaling piece. What does that mean for uh, those who are not as familiar uh, and uh, how are you involved in that? Sure. So, I mean, it it varies state to state. Um, there are different laws in different states on whether or not you can wholesale. There are ways to get around those laws, not in a legal way to say the to say the least. Essentially, you have to buy the house and then resell it in the states that you know don't allow assignment fees. Um, but to to take a very high level, wholesaling is when you negotiate a price with a homeowner. Well. Say for example, you know, hundred thousand. You say no matter what, you're going to get a hundred thousand for this house. Then you take that agreement that you have with that home that that seller, and you go and shop it out to other investors, or maybe you already have you know a buyer lined up, and you're going to tell this buyer, hey, I'll sell you this contract for one hundred and twenty thousand. They agree, you sign, and then you go to the closing table, and essentially you just made twenty thousand dollars in an assignment fee, um, but to me, man, if you're looking to get into investing, like I think wholesaling is the the easiest way to get into it because it's really no money out of your pocket if you can network correctly and if you can negotiate correctly and if you can target the right, you know, type of homes you're going for. Because, I mean, I've gotten a few deals where I'm just driving by and I see someone's grass hasn't been cut in, you know, a month. I keep a, a sticky note in my car. I go. I I uh, knock on the door. No one answers. I just, I literally write on a note, call me about your house. And then I'll leave my phone number and then I stick it on the door. Hmm. Dude, every single time someone wants to know what did this guy just do to my house? Why does he want to know about my house? And then that's how I get him on the phone every single time. <laughs> that's, that's good. Do you have any horror stories or funny stories of someone who's picked up the phone and called off of that? Of, of, or is it, is it usually what is going on? Oh yeah. Let's talk. Um, you know, I've never converted any of them, but I, I mean, <laughs> they call every single time, but then once they find out like what I want, they're like, oh, Jed, you know, they're gone. But yeah, well, I, I, mean, go ahead. I get them on the phone, though. I was going to say that's that's the important thing. You get the phone call and then more is even if it's not working out that you are mining a a lead generation source and you're not deterred by well this person hung up on me or this person's not buying so this this whole system's not going to work or i, I don't want to do any of this that it's getting told no is part of the process mm-hmm. um, with the wholesaling piece i want to bring up you 
you nailed it when you said being able to uh, basically put together a deal and negotiate, because that's what it is, is that if that seller could find their buyer or they could go out and make a deal come together, they don't need you. But that's your expertise as a wholesaler of finding a distressed, undervalued or need to be moved property and then putting it together with a buyer that they probably could not have found each other. Otherwise, in your example, that $20,000 profit doesn't exist because yeah, exactly. they don't need that middleman. So having that expertise is what makes that go. Um, <clears throat> so very good explanation. And you nailed it as far as how putting that deal together works. Uh, one thing I want to ask specifically about that is how do you, when we're talking about assignment, do you ever need to explain to a seller or buyer that in essence, they're paying a premium to have you involved. Whereas if, if you weren't there, they might be paying a less of a fee or how do you, how do you speak in a way that uh, it makes sense for them or they see the value that you're providing in this equation? It, from a whole, uh, from a wholesaler's perspective. Yeah, sure. So generally whenever I'm negotiating with them and I, I'm talking about a price, um, I usually say, Hey, you know, I think I can get you this at this amount. If I can get you more, would that be okay? If I shop this out to some of my investor buddies to see if they would pay more. And they're usually like, Oh yeah, you know, that's fine. That's fine. And then, you know, essentially, you know, I'll go and I'll shop it out, you know, a little bit higher and then I'll still get them more than what I would want to give them as like a cash buyer. So it's a win-win for everybody. So like, for example, for the hundred thousand, you know, if I go shop it out to someone else for, you know, say someone pays 125, well, I'm not going to go and, you know, take that 25 K, you know, I could, but I'm not going to, man, like it, it, wholesalers get a very bad rap of being very unethical and just really, you know, tearing down, you know, people in bad situations. And it comes down to, you know, what's right. And if I told this person, like, I'm going to get them more, like, I'm going to get you more, like, yeah, I'm going to still get my fee. Maybe I'll take like 15,000. I'll give you an extra 10,000. We'll bring you up to 110. You know, I still get my $15,000 fee for doing, you know, all the labor work and paying, you know, the closing costs. Um, but yeah, that, that's how I, I, I break it down. And that's a big thing. And, you know, being ethical is not just, you know, doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. Obviously we'd be in a better place if everyone treated each other better, but that's not, you know, unfortunately that's not going to happen, but re realistically here it's, it is a small circle of people. So if you burn someone in one of those deals, it might happen once, it might happen twice, but it, word gets out and that is pretty insurmountable to turn around from if you're the guy who's pocketing extra from from using your example of saying hey i'm trying to get you more money and then you put that money in your pocket you're not going to have a very long tenure uh in this industry if, if that's your mo um, yep. so you know exactly. probably better to do the right thing but it also will help your bottom line in the long run yeah absolutely uh, so we've, we've talked a lot about uh, kind of the non-traditional real estate deals just we'll call them you know outside of the agent uh when when you are kind of looking for new business, do you in your business plan or your systems, do you dedicate a set amount of time or resources to each lead source or how do you figure out where to allocate your energy? Uh, I mean, we're all in on on wholesale or like fix and flips. Um, I'd say that's where we spend most of our time on it. Um, and then. And then secondary would be, you know, we get a few buyer leads, we get a few, you know, traditional listing leads, but we are 85% in on wholesale and fix and flip. Um, I do, 
I will do um, like direct to agent as well. If I see something on the MLS, that's a large like commercial apartment complex or a mobile home park or an RV park. I'll just call up the agent. I'm like, Hey, you know, I see this been on the market for uh, 200 days. Like, can you tell me why, you know, what's going on here? And uh, of course, you know, they'll, they'll start spilling sometimes or, you know, or there are, they'll act like a secret agent and acting like, you know, I can't tell you this, I can't tell you this, but what, what they don't understand is like, you know, we're all in this together, man. Like I'm trying to buy this property. You're trying to sell this property. Like let's, let's, let's talk this out. Let's work this out. And uh, I actually, I had a, an agent last week that she, she had a, what was it? It was like a 72 mobile home park. And it's been on the market for a little over a year. And um, the the price was originally like 3.2 million. And then now it's dropped all the way down to like 1.2, like in a year. And I'm like, that's a, that's a big gap. Like what's, what's going on here. And uh, so I call her and, you know, we spoke on the phone for probably 45 minutes. She's running through every little detail of what's wrong with this mobile home park. And um, come to find out at the very end, of course, uh, she said that this was an estate sale. This daughter um, inherited this mobile home park. It was not ran properly. They don't have records on anything. They don't have any leases, no, nothing for the ground rent, nothing. So it's just really down to like poor management. You know how it really, you can come in, scoop in and just get it up to speed and you're going to get the value back up. And we like to buy a lot of our larger properties creatively. So I will kind of negotiate the down payment to where maybe we can have the the seller hold the down payment over a certain amount of years. So we've bought a few apartment complexes this way. And then I'll go and I'll get a commercial loan for the remaining 75, 80%, bring that to the table. So the seller's happy. They're getting 75, 80% down essentially from the commercial loan. All I'm asking for them to do is hold 20, 25% as a down payment over the next year We'll give them interest. You know, it's a whole amortization schedule that I, I submit with the offer and I give them various offers on, um, you know, which one they want to choose. And uh, so I was trying to go this route with the mobile home park and they just, they were like, no, nah, we just want to step away. We just want to step away. And I guess the daughter's like in her seventies already. And she's like, I don't know if I'm going to be here for 10 more years. And so it's coming over those objections that are tough, but man, if, if, if people would just see how much money they make just holding that down payment is phenomenal. Um, one of our apartment complexes, we negotiated this strategy. And I mean, we came to the table at 600 bucks for clothing at closing, oh God, for clothing. Um, and uh, the sellers held the property, um, the down payment, the 20% second lien, you know, it was over a hundred thousand. And, we gave them 4% interest over 15 years, but I like to break out that number and say, hey, this is how much interest you're going to be making over that 15 years. So what you're getting for the property, you're actually getting this for the property with that interest uh, tacked on. And once you put that in their head, they start thinking like differently. And then so whenever we got this property, we're sitting at the clothing table and uh, the the seller was like, hey, thank you so much for this offer. Like we had multiple offers more than yours. And we chose yours because of this cool little, you know, tweak that you did to, you did to the offer. And she's like, with this interest, like you're going to be putting our kids through college and we just want to thank you. 
it was like, oh, dude, this is this is next level stuff, man. So we just we just went with it, and now we we can put an offer in almost weekly with this strategy. Well, that that's a really awesome example to tie back to the first thing that we talked about is kind of having creative solutions to people's problems or situations that they either are experiencing for a first time, don't have the expertise to figure out, or don't have the bandwidth to deal with. That it's like. I've done this. Here's A, B, and C. Here's why this is a good deal for you. Let me break, like, even just breaking out the interest. You know, you might have the idea to put the offer like that, but then breaking out in a way of showing them black and white. Here is what the extra payment is going to look like over that 15 year term. And as you said, they're thanking you for uh, coming in with with an alternative creative solution. So that's that really is the I don't want to call it the dirty secret in real estate, but the uh, the understanding and that comes with time, experience, and knowledge that there are multiple ways to do things and that it's not just your traditional, you know, here's a thousand dollars down uh, for an offer. We're going to do purchase and sale, then only 9,000 and then we'll close the closing table. Cause that's, you know, that's one way to do it. It is not the only way. And as you describe that, uh, if I understand the situation they're in and ultimately where they want to go, how can I get them there fastest, quickest uh, with the best outcome for them? It's probably going to work out well for everybody. And that's going to be the best. For, um, so really well done there. Uh, I also wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned different property types that you work with from uh, multifamily, uh, you know, you've mentioned fix and flips, you've mentioned mobile homes. How do you, do you think it's important to uh, diversify in property type to specify a certain type of asset class or how do you know uh, what's, what's a good investment strategy when looking at a type of property? Yeah. Um, I would say it depends on your your experience level. I know people that have jumped straight in and done syndications and 506Bs, 506Cs, you know, that's, you know, obviously that's like next level. That's a whole nother discussion. Um, and then I've had people who just jump in and they start house hacking, you know, they buy a regular single family house and they rent out all the bedrooms and uh, their mortgage is essentially paid for by the other tenants in the house and they're living rent free uh, it, it's, it just depends on your experience level. Uh, I, I like to diversify because that's how I learn. So like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about any of the stuff that happens of, you know, owning a, a mobile home park until I own a mobile home park. I'm going to understand every single thing about that mobile home park once I own one. So I'm not going to, you know, realize that, you don't actually get rent in mobile home parks. You get paid ground rent, you know, and they own the trailers or mobile homes, you know, or manufactured homes, whatever it is in, in your park. Uh, obviously, you know, you could own them, but that's just more maintenance. And I'm not really into that. And uh, how they, it, it really matters on if it is city water and city sewage compared to having a septic and a well on mobile homes. Cause you're responsible for that. And those are huge expenses in mobile homes. Um, so to, to me, man, it's it's really just diversifying for learning. That's how I learned about you know some of our our larger multifamily properties is how to how to manage them, how to get property management in place, how to deal with different types of tenants, and and then it even gets into a deeper level where you start realizing like there are even different types of tenants out there. Now you have your traditional tenant, you have. Uh, student housing, you have um, section eight and it just goes from there where, man, like, what am I going to do with this property? And just from a tenant base, 
so that's how it is, man. Like we have, we have student housing. Um, we have professionals in one and we have, we have section eight as well. Uh, but that's how you learn, but anybody can do this. You know, I don't want to scare anybody because this is all done. Like I stepped in this with zero, zero knowledge on how to do this. I, I I'm doing exactly what they're doing right now. I'm listening to podcasts, you know, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. And then one day I was just like, screw it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to start putting feelers out there to see who else is also interested in this kind of stuff. So I posted um, on Facebook, and this is, you know, probably three or four years ago. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about getting into real estate investing. I've been learning a lot about it. Uh, I'm really looking for, you know, like-minded people who want to join me and potentially like partner together and, you know, just go all in on something. And uh, this gentleman that I graduated high school with shoots me um, a DM. And he's like, hey, man, he's like, I've been thinking about getting in this too. And uh, he's all, he's already like a pretty successful guy. In my opinion, uh, he owns some gyms. He's, he's very business savvy. And uh, I was like, man, if we like combine, you know, his like business mindset, my real estate mindset, we got this. And um, oh, man, yeah. And it was, we never looked back, you know, now we, we, now we have even more partners, my brother-in-law partners um, with us. Um, I have a fix and flip partner. I've been meeting next week with a guy who like literally specializes in helping people out of foreclosure. He, um, this is a cool story about him. Just last week, he stopped an auction five days before auction. This, this seller was in, you know, about to foreclose on their home and they wanted a certain amount down and he negotiated to essentially pay up their arrears and then that was it. Now he's taken over their, um, their loan subject to, and then all he had to do was pay 9,000 to get them up to speed in their arrears. And now he owns a house for essentially $9,000 that is already 120,000 below ARV. He's just taking over the payments, the after repair value. Now, as you, as you kind of weaved through this, first of all, we're already at time somehow. Second of all, as you bring up these topics and stories, it ties it together of one uh, being able to be nimble, understand, and make diversified investments, but also to have expertise that you're bringing to each deal as you highlight with with partners who either focus on uh, a certain type of deal or have a different type of experience to bring that expertise in. And then the collaboration piece kind of just multiplies or exponentially uh, gets you to where you want to be. It's like, we've got three of us now who've done this uh, four and five times in different sectors. So we come together and we can identify what a good deal is, how we can make this work for everybody. Uh, so absolutely love that. Um, I do want to end here on this. Uh, you mentioned getting started. If someone's listening to this, like, that's it. You know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get my Facebook post out tomorrow or whatever I want to do. What can they do tomorrow that would help them be in a better place to get involved in either real estate investing or more active in, in the, the real estate world? Uh, join local Facebook groups. I mean, you can go on, you know, Facebook, uh, and just type in, um, I don't know what, 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 I'm trying to think of a town. I don't know. Um, Pittsburgh, I say, you know, going to Pittsburgh, you know, just type in Pittsburgh real estate investing group, you know, or Pittsburgh or Pittsburgh, you know, real estate, you know, there's going to be probably two or three of them that you're going to click on. And it's going to be a lot of the same guys in each one of those groups. And those are probably the big players that you want to know in that town and just shoot them a DM. 
that's exactly what I did with some of the big guys in my area. Whenever I was like starting to learn, um, one of my neighbors, like four doors down, uh, he has a house that's he's, he's letting it go and it, it kills me. And one day I just went and I knocked on his door and I was like, Hey man, I was like, I want to buy your house. I was brand new. I didn't have any money. I had no idea how I was going to buy his house, but I knew I was going to figure it out. And so he, you know, basically told me, I'm not, I'm not interested in selling. I'm not interested in selling, but like I knew he would eventually. And I am on him all the time about it. But I, um, I posted on a local Facebook group saying like, Hey, I think I got this house. This guy's, you know, this is my numbers on it. This is ARV. I think it needs this much work. I think we could get it for this. And, uh, I probably had 15 people shoot me messages, commenting on this post, like in this like local group saying, Hey, I can help you. I can help you. I'll partner with you. Um, I'll buy this from you. You know, that's, that's before I even knew what wholesale was. I could have locked it up and sold it for way higher than I had to do anything on it. Uh, but I didn't know that at the time. So to me, if you want to get started, go post in your local groups, tell them what you want to do. There are people who will mentor you. Um, I mean, I, I'm more than happy to to take on people. If you're here in Maryland, feel free to hit me up. Um, I got a good team. And uh, yeah, if you don't mind calling people, <laughs> come on on. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing that being told no, or being, you know, being okay with rejection is, is part of this. Uh, I'll take this opportunity to say, we talked a lot about legal and financial strategies. We are not giving legal advice nor uh, uh, financial advice, uh, but this was, this was awesome. Like I said, I could easily ask you questions all night, but I won't, we'll get out of here on this. Uh, if somebody is listening to this and wants to get in touch with you or connect, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can uh, find me on Instagram at Brandon Thomas Official. You can find me on TikTok at Brandon Thomas Official. You can find me on YouTube at Brandon Thomas Official. <laughs> I claimed it all. I claimed it all. <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. So we'll post those links. Brandon, this was great. Um, I look forward to doing it again. And I just wish you continued success, my friend. Yeah, you too, my brother.